Hey guys, Misunderstood here. And today we're going to be talking about the book, The Altars. I love it. I'm still reading it. It's still an ongoing book. It is currently on its 50, 58th chapter. I'm not, no, 51, the 51st chapter. It is truly amazing. It's on Woodpad by The Winged Ones. It has 168,000 reads, 15,000 votes, and 62 parts. And if you're wondering how you can get those reads, those votes, stick around. All right, let's get into it. So, I want to just read the summary first so you can get a gist of what the book is supposed to be about. People, by definition, are complex creatures. Ia Simmons just happens to be more so. Her goals were simple, to live a peaceful life alone with decent income and a stable job. But words like alone and stable are not in Ia's vocabulary. Not when four other people live inside her head and insist on wreaking havoc in her life. Things could be fine if she could just keep her illness a secret. But all it takes is one case of wrong time, wrong place to blow that plan clear out of the water. If only she hadn't met Warren Reeves. That was the summary and it is tagged as it has mature content. So if you're under the ages of 13, beware. So let's get into it. If you don't like spoilers, then this isn't this isn't for you. The, uh, the book. Alright, so first I want to get into how the writer worded her chapters. Honestly, I've never seen wording like that in Wattpad books. Because, you know, there's mistakes, there's errors. And I was just like, I really hope this is not one of those books that you have to, you know, read over it or it doesn't make sense or it just, there's so much errors that you just get annoyed by it. No, I, she had little to no writing errors. It wasn't just, she wasn't just rambling on. Everything she said made sense and added to the major theme of the book. So I really liked how she used humor. Humor is one of those things that I personally enjoy. In my books, I, because I do write books, I don't think I use humor a lot, but her books are humorous. There was one uh, chapter in the book where they, the two characters were riding to a place or something. And like I said, spoilers, so beware. She has a dissociative disorder where she has multiple personalities. So the guy was, and the girl, they were riding to a place and he turned on the radio and one of her personalities was bold, confident, the it girl. And she's named Ari. So Ari, and we'll dive into her character more later, Ari heard a song. It was My Anaconda Don't. And the way she described how she was twerking in the chair and the guy was so 
shocked and listen it was totally awesome but to really get you into the theme of this book to show you the beginning how it all starts out I'm gonna read the first two chapters of it so if you don't want to read it you can skip forward like two minutes or if you want to read it so you can see if this is a book you would want to give a chance on then stay tuned chapter one instant noodles Ia. A new record, it had to be. All it took was three days. My job at Crunchy Cafe was now kaput. A sharp breeze runs through, and I bundle up in my jacket. My gaze frantically bunks in between the buttons and the road. I need a ride. It's only 5.30, but the bus I take isn't going to run until 8 p.m., when I should have been getting off work. I can't wait that long. It's the end of another career opportunity, and I should really go home and lament with ice cream, telenovas, tears, or frustration. I wave my arms frantically at the road, but none of the drivers give me a second glance. As each car passes by, they send more gushes of freezing autumn air blasting over me. I had to be looking more pathetic by the minute. I'm hunched over and trembling like an abandoned animal. I check my watch and suck in a sharp breath. An entire 15 minutes had gone by. Sunset is at 6.16, 30 minutes. Now I'm desperate. Please, please, please just get me a ride. It isn't about the telenovas. I can binge watch Lagrimas de Luvia on my laptop whenever. The truth is, I'm terrified of the dark. At least I think so. The few times I've been trapped in the dark have always ended with me waking up in the light, being watched, surrounded by strangers asking if I'm alright, and calling me Minnie. My name is Ia. But Minnie is one of four side effects of dissociative identity disorder. She tends to take over when it's too dark, and she screams. So, I'm trapped here, without enough money for a cab because I've been fired before payday. No cars are stopping, and the only bus home won't be here for the next two hours. But I need to figure something out, because I'd really like Minnie not to show up today. As a matter of fact, I'd really like her never to show up again. It's 5.52. Cars had been zooming by earlier, but now the road is barren. The stars are empty, and the sidewalks are lifeless. It'll only get more desolate from here. I square my shoulders. I have to stop the next car. I march forward, plant my feet in the middle of the road, and stare intently at the intersection. A plastic bag with a blue logo slides across the ground in front of me, pushed along by the wind. It scrapes across the asphalt slowly, mocking me. It's the only thing moving on this entire block, and it has the audacity to pretend to be a car. Realistically, the bag is more likely to get a ride before me. But I'll be damned if I let Minnie handle how we get home. The next car comes is mine. As if to challenge that thought, a silver jeep comes barreling down the road at a speed of at least 40 miles per hour. No worry. That car's going to stop. 45 miles per hour. It'll stop. 50 miles per hour. Please stop. 55. Stop. 60. Stop, 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 stop. 65. 
Woman, move! I leap out of the way seconds before the car zooms past me. The two-ton tank couldn't be more than six inches away from my face, and the proximity is enough to stop my heart. I stagger backwards and fall to the curb, horrified. The car skids as it rounds the corner, and its very angry driver rears its ugly head, yelling, Crazy broad, as he disappears. I clutch my chest and feel like hurling, however. I can't, because I haven't eaten since morning. I snap to a stand, my fist raised to give a colorful insult of my own, but my jaw flaps open uselessly when I notice a familiar blue logo trapped on the silver Jeep's antenna. The hitchhiking plastic bag flutters goodbye as the tail end of the car vanishes behind a building. It actually caught a ride before me. I give up. I concede. I drop my head back in sigh ex- exasperation. My breath condenses in the cold air, a wispy flag of surrender. The sky's color is already beginning to change. I stare up and watch defeated as the deep blue hue of night slowly overcomes the city. Who am I trying to kid? I can't do this. I can't even keep a job. A few steps to my right, the neon lights of a shabby convenience store flicker on. A tattered sign on the door grabs my attention. Open from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. Maybe, just maybe, I could do that. The store has warmth, food, shelter, and light. And it's right in front of the bus stop. If I can make it to 8, I can search for a job, eat some ramen. I grab my purse and scamper forward, determined to last. Lucky market. Lord knows I could use a little luck. Chapter 2, Unlucky Market, Warren. Not sure why, but I wanted Takis. If I had eaten lunch today, I probably wouldn't be in this tiny convenience store at 7 p.m. raiding the chip aisle. I shove my hands in my pockets, and I notice the store clerk give me a dirty look from behind the bulletproof glass. Relax, old man, I call out to him. I'm clean. I smile and pop my pockets. They're empty. He doesn't respond, but he's but he doesn't throw me out of the store either. He simply presses his thin lips into a tight line, stares at me for two extra seconds, then goes back to taking notes on the counter. All right, I say to myself, let's get some takis. I scan and stroll across the aisle, hunting for a glimpse of purple. Get me some takis, some takikis, taquitos, ta. I don't scream but I feel the living spirit fly out of me. There's some chick crouched in the corner of the store, huddled over her phone next to an empty bowl of noodles. Her hair is pulled up in a sloppy mop of curls, and she's hunched over so much that her back curves into a C. The girl adjusts her thick, white-rimmed glasses and continues to swipe furiously through her phone. Hey there, I say to her. No response. You scared me. I know she can hear me. I see her eyes slowly shift up so she can look at me through her peripherals. However, she pretends not to and keeps scrolling through. Because I'm not one to be phased by awkward silings, I keep talking. Ah, you're charging your phone. That explains why you're huddled like a ghost. Still nothing. In fact, she moves her face closer to her phone as if she was trying to go through it. You know, you're pretty cute, but you're not much for conversation. 
That she can't hide from. There's a small squeak and a bright orange flush spreads across her dark skin. Her face is pressed against the screen. I chuckle. All right, I'll leave you alone. Mind shifting over a bit? My talkies are behind you. She scoots over, avoiding eye contact, and I grab the chips from the shelf behind her. I begin to walk away, but a part of me feels bad. I hadn't said anything wrong, not particularly, but she still didn't want to talk to me. I place the chips on the counter and hand the clerk a five. I tap my fingers, feeling progressively guiltier. Sir, your change, says a low monotone voice. The clerk frowns at me. On the deal tray are few bills. I take them up, push my hands in my pockets, and make my way for the door. There's no need to feel bad, I tell myself. You won't you weren't hitting on her, or I turn on my heel and call out to her. Miss, one more thing. To my surprise, both she and the clerk glance up. It throws me off guard. I uh I I <clears throat> I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. Both give me a blank stare. Well, you two have a good night then. I stare at the ground and beeline for the door, but a rampaging bull of a man bursts through and pushes me to the floor. Dude, what's your... He surges down the aisle and yanks the girl in the corner to a stand. Time slows when he pulls a gun out from his dark jacket and pushes it against her temple. It angles her head sharply and her entire body goes rigid. Her eyes are locked on that gun. The man leads her by the hair and slams her against the counter. He glares at the clerk. Put the money in the bag or else. His threat is clear. The store clerk trembles as he fiddles within the register. And though he's going as fast as he can, it's not enough. Hurry up, the man yells and the girl whimpers. In a brief moment, the clerk clutches my gaze, and I mouth a plan. Stall him. The gunman's back is to me. If I sneak up from behind and restrain him, the girl can get away. I inch forward, adrenaline kicking into my system. Luckily, it's not easy to forget how to put someone in a full Nelson. There is flash of movement, and for a minute, I thought he'd killed her and was on to me. But I'm mistaken. He's already on the ground. I'm frozen in position, bewildered. My hands had been inches away from his neck. Obviously, I had underestimated her. Initially, I thought she looked cute in a dorky way. Now, she terrifies me. The attacker is on his stomach, and the girl is perched on top of him, one of her knees stabbing him in the spine. He kicks and flails wildly, but once she grabs the hand holding his gun, he freezes. Sir, her mouth is moving, but that is not the voice from before. It's deeper and masculine, like soldiers. What were you trying to do? What? the man shouts. Get off me. She contorts his arm painfully, pushing it so that the gun's tip digs into his back. He screams. Was it me you were threatening? There is a rhetorical air to her voice, as though she finds the whole matter amusing. Please, just get off me, you freak. She angles his arm even further, and he howls. Sir, do you know if a shot like this would kill you? Please, please, I'm sorry. On the count of three. One, no, don't shoot. Two, oh God, please. Though I don't exactly care about the guy, 
I pull her off his back. She doesn't resist me, but her hands latch onto his gun and mask. The moment she's an inch away, the attacker staggers forward, nearly crashing into the counter. He scrambles for the bit of loose change and backs away. He edges along the perimeter of the store like a crazed, cornered animal. You stay away from me, he screams and barges through the door. The entire wall shudders from the contact. Once he's gone, there's moment, there's moment of silence in Lucky Mark Market. You know, to process what the hell just happened. The girl steps out of my arms and takes off her glasses. Despite being shorter than me, her presence is huge. She glares at me and I feel the sudden urge to salute. You shouldn't have done that, she says. You were going to kill him. It was an empty threat. Was it? She gives me an irritated glance, then dusts off her jacket and responds with a gruff, classified. Why are you speaking that way? I trail off when she walks away from me, mid-sentence. She places the gun and mask on the counter. Sir, he won't get far with money. Gun has fingerprints. Mask has DNA. I'll leave it in your hands. Equally dumbfounded, we stare as she straightens her shirt then struts over to the door. She pauses halfway through and gazes a glass and gazes a glass neck nearby. After a moment, she puts on a pair of black shades and replaces the spot with her old spectacles. I'll be taking these. We blink. With a touch of two fingers to her head, she gives us a brief salute. M dog out. M what? I turn to the clerk for clarification. But the old man just shrugs and whips out his phone. Tranny, maybe? M what? So that was chapters one and two. And if you want to hear me read more, send me a message. Voice message me on with your thoughts. I'll be happy to put them into the episode. And... The character development from chapters 1 and 2 to chapters 51, 52 is amazing. There are many plot twists in it. There's diversity. There's inclusion of a lot of different groups of people. And my take on the possible ending, I wouldn't spoil too much, but let's just say... Things may not fall into place, at least the way I would like them. I'll rate this book a clear 10 out of 10, even though it's not even done yet, but it is amazing. So be sure to check out The Altars on Whatpad by The Wing Ones. It will not disappoint. Also, be sure to check out my own books, Vanilla Twilight. Dawn, friends, and understanding him on Wattpad, you can find me at misunderstood98. That's M I S S U N D E R S T O O D 98 on Wattpad. If you want to contact me, I'm on Instagram, roxy.ruby, Twitter at green tea baddie, and Wattpad, like I told you. You can leave voice messages, comment, subscribe, follow, vote. I want to hear you guys. And if you want me to re- review your books, leave a message. 
share the link, subscribe to my podcast, and I'll get right to it. See you next time.